you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hi everyone i hope that your school wherever you're located is off to a good start we are facing challenges <laughs> Our son, who is such a social creature, he is nine years old and he loves everybody. Every time in his class, his teachers always tell us, Jack is so nice to everybody. He's friends with everybody. And my son truly gets excited to see everybody. And so it's been really hard on him to do virtual from home to see, you know, eight random members of his now class people he used to know and hang out with at recess only through a screen it's really been taking a toll on him and as a parent i've been questioning our district is doing a hybrid model but they're only going to school two hours a day four days a week is it worth exposing my son my family uh there's just so many variables and then my daughter's doing a whole nother thing she got an amazing opportunity to go to a private school that's 35 minutes away from our house. But my husband has to commute both ways twice a day, which is over two hours of his time just to take my daughter to school, which is very safe. There's only six kids in her class and everybody is educated inside a little plastic bubble of their very own. It's a fantastic opportunity, but it's been very hard to find the balance with our family and to make everyone happy. She's feeling isolated going to a new school in a new state with, you know, nobody she lives near or has known in the past. And my son is missing people, is not getting enough social nourishment from hanging out with me. Uh, it's, it's, it's a thing. And this pandemic is a thing and, you know, I try and stay optimistic for their sake and I try and think about the holidays and what that will look like. But this pandemic has taught me not to look too far ahead and that's been difficult for everyone. I bet it's difficult for you too. And design has felt like a really frivolous uh, endeavor during these times. It's nice to be able to kind of be more lighthearted and talk about pillows and paint color and let the troubles of the world 
fade away, but also home is more important than ever. That's where we're staying. I mean, we're at our house all the time, every day, every weekend, every meal. And now we don't even have support coming to our house in the form of babysitters or cleaning people or handymen. And so our home has to function more seamlessly than ever. We have to have systems in place so that it doesn't devolve into mass chaos. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. This afternoon it's mass chaos. And before I stormed out of the house to come record this podcast, I said to everyone in a very loud voice, you better spend 25 minutes cleaning up this house. I can't do it alone. And of course there was eye rolling and sighing. And what do I get if I spend 25 minutes cleaning this house? And I couldn't deal. So I'm here with you guys and it's much easier. So hopefully your lives are a little bit less stressful and hopefully your kids are a little bit more enthusiastic about cleaning the house. Not just your kids, but your husband too. I think it was my husband that fought the most about that 25-minute period of cleaning. All right, serenity now. Deep cleansing breath. And let me go to my happy place, sitting in my storefront, staring out the picturesque window at beautiful small town Main Street while answering your design questions. The first question comes to me from Maria. Maria writes, Hi Betsy, I love your podcast. It has helped me so much in decorating and painting our basement in our one-bedroom Brooklyn apartment. As you can see in these pictures, our living room has stations. The right-hand corner is the meditation, reading, and relaxation station. Kudos to my boyfriend who made the fixture with the hanging lanterns. Yes, those are flameless candles, and I know you're not a fan, but they do add a very nice decor. Whoa, Maria, stop right there. Whoever said I wasn't a fan of flameless candles? I don't really like anything fake. I don't really like faux flowers, faux plants. I don't like faux brick or faux hardwood looking ceramic tiles. None of that is like my favorite thing. Uh, Faux for me is a no for me. But there is so much practicality with a flameless candle because I can definitely tell you times, oh, when was it? Uh, We were on vacation in Rhode Island and Airbnb. And I had lit a candle because the rental smelled a little. When you live at the beach, does your house perpetually smell like rotten seafood? I don't know. But this one did. And so they had a myriad of scented candles and I lit one. I blew it out. We left the house to go on an adventure. 15 minutes away, we we had a kayaking appointment, right? And they're very strict about your appointment times due to COVID. Only so many people can be renting a kayak at once. I worried I had not fully blown out that candle. I turned the car around. We were already running a little behind. Drove all the way back to the Airbnb, only to, of course, have it validated that, yes, I had blown out this candle. We got back on the road and wound up being 20 to 30 minutes late for the kayaking appointment. So real candles can cause real anxiety, especially if you have kids, pets. I love to light a scented candle just for a moment of meditation, but even at my storefront, I worry I'm going to leave it lit, so I put my keys right beside it so I can't leave without verifying that I've blown it out. When the kids are playing in my house, I'm so worried about having a candle lit anywhere. 
a ball is going to fly into it. They're going to knock it over. They're going to play with it. Oh my gosh. So there is a time, a place, and a demand for flameless candles, and I am all for it, Maria. All right, you continue, and I digress. On the left-hand side, we have a workout and virtual reality gaming corner. In the center is our living room, which I have sectioned off with a rug, per your recommendations, of course. It contains an entertainment center. I'm thinking of what to do with the area directly behind the couch. It's a section of the room that is in between the workout and meditation sections. At first, I was thinking a bar cart. Now I'm thinking a console with storage would also be a good idea. I would like to incorporate more art into the room, but as you can see, the wall is just clearly not divided. Would you recommend hanging art? I'm open to ideas as to what to do with this space. Thank you in advance and keep going with the podcast. You're doing amazing. P.S. I also have a podcast. It's called SLP's Wine and Cheese. We drink wine, eat cheese, and talk about speech therapy and other related topics. That is so cool, Maria. My son went to speech therapy for quite a while. He had a little lisp. My husband actually had a lisp when he was little too. And he used to call our favorite team, the New York Yankees, the New York Lankies. Thank goodness he had speech therapy intervention and now says it properly. And thank goodness my son had intervention because now he has no speech problems whatsoever. So I am so... uh, appreciative of speech therapists and I'm also appreciative of wine and cheese. So this sounds like it could be a good deal all the way around. So Maria, I am looking at your pictures and yes, so you have pretty much this very elongated basement space and you have this big leather sectional flanked by two armchairs that overlooks the entertainment center. It's basically centered on it. But there's also two columns on either side of the sofa that really divide the room visually into three parts. So I can understand why you're segmenting this into threes. However, we've got a challenge. Of course, it can never be that easy, right, Maria? Because I would love nothing more than to say, yes, put art on that back wall. Have it be centered on the moment of the sofa. And then you have these two windows that are fairly high up that would be perfect flanking that dramatic piece of art. But of course it can't be that easy because this back wall has like a part of it pretty much two thirds in where it juts out. And from this image, I'm thinking it juts out like three inches. So that two thirds of the wall is three inches in front of the other third of the wall, which is three inches behind. So, it's making this wall very challenging. Uh, And I think that's why you're having trouble. I love this serenity space that you've created and that your partner has helped you hang these really cool lanterns that look like they're beaded on the outside and hanging from these rustic ropes. Now, as I mentioned, you do have these two windows that are pretty interesting. They're small, maybe two feet wide by 18 feet high. And maybe we play with something like that. Like maybe we put a piece of art below each window and then maybe one diagonally above, like not above the window, but above the other piece so that the window is almost 
a piece of art in this trio of pieces. And it almost creates a triangular formation where the window's at the top, there's a piece at the bottom, and then there's a piece on the left-hand side. I think that could be interesting because really, the wall is architecturally delineating that space behind the sofa into a two-thirds, one-third scenario. So behind the sofa, I would do that two-thirds meditation zone, and maybe you bulk that up a bit. Maybe you put like a low console that has a singing bowl or a Buddha statue or something so that it doesn't just feel like a chair with lanterns, but could feel like a whole vignette, a larger meditation station. And then on the other side, um, that one-third segment of the window, that might be where I would put, you've got this interesting wood-carved leaning mirror. I might put that there by this basket of gym equipment. It looks like it contains foam rollers, yoga mats. So maybe that's your workout section. And the other side is your zen section. And then the middle in the front is that family room TV viewing type feel. Now, the other way that we can help to visually delineate these spaces is with additional rugs. So I could see putting an additional rug in that workout zone because it's not great to be working out on tiles. It's not comfortable and certainly do have your yoga mat, but putting a yoga mat on top of low pile carpeting would be even more comfortable. And then putting maybe a larger rug because this meditation section does appear to be somewhat larger than the other section under the meditation station and then formalizing that now as a designer one of the most challenging things that i do every day is picking out multiple rugs for the same space like oftentimes we'll be dealing with an open concept living room dining room and maybe it's open to another room as well like the foyer all those rugs have to visually relate without being identical because we don't want to use the same rugs or it will look like wall-to-wall -wall carpeting that's just been spliced. So typically I'll pick one rug that has a pattern with multicolors. Then I'll do another rug that has a pattern with just a like one color and a neutral, like your white and gray graphic rug that's currently under the family room section. And then I might do a solid that has like some striations, some darker and lighter tones of the same color so that from afar it appears to be solid, but up close it's got enough differentiation that it could camouflage stains. So that's generally the sort of formula I use when selecting multiple carpets for one open space like you might be doing here. Maria, I hope that helped. I hope that inspired you and I am definitely understanding why you sent this question in. This is a quite challenging space. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, 
With the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right. My next question comes from Megan. Megan writes, hi, Betsy. I just had an offer accepted on a beautiful mid-century modern style ranch built in 1963. As far as I'm able to tell, the cabinets, trim, doors, and built-ins are all original and in very good shape. I'm lost on how much of the original wood to keep and how much to paint, if any. I know that painting would make the somewhat small square footage, 1,500 square feet, three bed, two bath, appear bigger and brighter, but I don't want the original charm of the home to disappear. And I'm aware that once it's painted, it is difficult to undo. If I paint the floor trim and the doors, do I have to paint the window trim, built-ins, cabinets, etc.? Can I paint some of the wood, but not all of the wood? If so, what combinations would look okay? I'm having a hard time envisioning different combinations and difficulty finding any handy design rules to follow. I would also be open to staining the wood a slightly different color, but I don't know if that's a design no-no against lighter wood floors to get rid of the mid-century modern feel. I'm planning to use a virtual design process, hopefully yours, once we've saved a bit more money to decorate the space in a mid-century modern style. Below is the link to the reference, the link to the listing for reference. Thank you for your attention to my questions. Thank you for your book, the podcast, and all that you do. Well, Megan, first of all, congratulations. Congratulations on your new home. Congratulations on a mid-century modern. You know that is a style that I just love. But yes, it can have an oppressively dense amount of wood. And back then, you know, teak wood, which has kind of a warm undertone, but is a mid-tone wood, was all the rage. It's much warmer than even a walnut, and it has like that honey undertone, which can make it feel yellow or even orange. And that color is not really in these days. While everybody is clamoring for walnut, that kind of acorn yellow tone is not as popular. Now you do have a lot of wood in this home and I can see why you're facing a conundrum. You know, we want to honor the architecture of the space, but contemporize it in such a way that adds value and helps it to feel less like a relic and more like an homage, right? That's why I even slightly hesitant when you say, we want to decorate this in mid-century modern. Definitely, it is fun to have some of those pieces that reflect that era, but it can be a bit too much like a museum if you exclusively use period style pieces. Mid-century modern is oh so popular right now, but the great thing is it works well with other styles. The other thing about mid-century modern and I don't want to slam it because you know it's one of my faves, is that sometimes 
it doesn't look expensive. You know, sometimes it was truly meant to be very utilitarian and accessible to the masses. So while some of the built-ins here look really nice and period, like the one in the hallway, other built-ins, like the ones in the bedroom, don't look as nicely done. They look very basic. Lots of hardware is exposed. It doesn't necessarily look like a vintage relic. It looks kind of just basic. I would be inclined after reviewing these pictures, I'm just scrolling through the listing as I'm trying to decide because you're right, it's not easy, it's not cut and dried. And if you're getting a lot of use out of these built-ins, then I don't want you to get rid of them. In some situations, I think a modern closet would be a much better swap out than these sort of built-in closets that have very high doors at the top that are hard to reach and doors at the bottom. I mean, it just doesn't look luxe, but of course that is quite an investment. But because you own it, it's an investment that will really reap rewards when you resell because nobody is going to want these dated style closets. They're going to want something that functions, you know, for today's lifestyle, which is typically people have a lot of clothes, shoes, hanging clothes. They want to maximize their closets in every way. Um, okay. All that's to say that it's a lot of wood. And I would not stain it because I think that that is just going to be a real journey and very difficult. And there's so much of it. I think that the kitchen cabinets look very dated and their style is not even hearkening back to mid-century modern. It just looks old. I mean, it has some ornate detailing and filigree, especially above the window. That, again, not so luxe. I would pop out that header, maybe reface the cabinets. I would paint this trim white. I would paint those doors white. They look like hollow core doors, especially because they're the wood tone, and painting them white will give them a more high-end look. I would keep oh, the built-in in the hallway, the wood tone, because its trim is different than the trim around the doors. It's just a basic wood trim, whereas the trim around the doors has sort of some carving detail to it. So I would leave that the wood tone, but I would paint the baseboards. I would paint the trim around the windows. I would reface the cabinets. I would paint the doors. And the only hesitations I'm having at this point are with those bedroom built-ins. I don't think that they're that functional or that attractive. If it were me, I'd want to blow them out and replace them with a regular closet. <sighs> you know, I can't solve everybody's problems. I can't. I can try. Um, but if this were my forever home, I would be blowing those bad boys out. They don't look particularly um, inspiring. The thing I may leave the wood tone is in the bedroom, you have the built-in desk and shelving. I think that that could definitely stay the wood tone. Again, it does not have molding similar to the baseboards or similar to the windows. So it could be its own standalone acorn colored piece. All right, I hope that helped. Again, 
You're giving me some some hard questions today, Megan and Maria. But good thing I have all my mental faculties. I'm away from my family who's yelling at me, and I'm ready to focus on you. It's been a pleasure, guys. Speaking of focusing on you, I need some more questions for my mailbag. So don't hesitate. Email me at info at affordableinteriordesign.com so I can answer all your design dilemmas and hopefully make your life a little easier during this very tough and uncertain time. Until next time, everyone. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.